Good morning, it's Wednesday, September 11th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news, all within 15 minutes or fewer. I'm Connor Tapp. Second-ranked Alabama travels to South Carolina this weekend to open SEC play against the Gamecocks, with the Tide looking to avenge a defeat in their last trip to Columbia in 2010. And yet the loudest chatter coming out of Tuscaloosa this week pertains to the 11 a.m. local time kickoff for the Crimson Tide September 21st matchup against Southern Miss. It had been a fairly quiet couple weeks in Tuscaloosa, but yesterday the president and the athletic director, Greg Byrne, uh, issued a uh, rare rebuke of the Southeastern Conference and the uh, television partners in giving Alabama yet another early game for Southern Miss. Today I want to talk about Alabama and its angst over 11 a.m. kickoffs. Cry me a river. The statement released by Athletics Director Greg Byrne after the September 21st kickoff time was announced reads, quote, We are disappointed that our game against Southern Miss has been selected as a daytime kickoff at home. We realize we've played more non-conference day games at home in September than any other SEC team since 2014 which, to break the quote here, is when the SEC Network launched. There have been a number of conversations with our conference office, and they also recognize the challenges these kick times present for our student-athletes and fans. End quote. This will be the sixth non-conference noon kickoff that Alabama has participated in since 2014. The five previous contests were against FAU, Kent State, Mercer, Louisiana Lafayette, and the Citadel. Critics would say, boy, can't imagine why the networks haven't been lining up to put Alabama versus the Citadel up against the likes of Texas versus LSU and Auburn versus Oregon. So to understand why Alabama has elected to die on this particular hill at this particular moment, we need to go back at least as far to Nick Saban's postgame press conference following the Crimson Tide 62-10 win over New Mexico State this past Saturday, which kicked off at 2 p.m. local time, by the way. A reporter asks Nick Saban a seemingly innocuous question about what Alabama gets out of playing a team like New Mexico State. Saban's answer starts out fairly even-keeled, but escalates into a tirade. What do you think of, um, what do you get out of a game like this, and do you think this kind of level of competition can get you ready for an SEC game a week later? Well, look, I've talked about this before, so we we try to schedule the best teams that we can schedule, and uh, we're trying to do that in the future as well. Um, But we, we, have, we can only play the people who are willing to play us. I, I've said my opinion about playing 12 Power 5 schools. That's what I would rather do. So, but a lot of other people don't agree with that. I'd rather play 10 SEC games and then play two other Power 5 schools. So all the games are exciting for the fans. All the games are good football. You wouldn't have to go undefeated to get in the playoffs because you'd play a more quality schedule. I've been through and covered that ground a hundred times. So do I think we can get better in games like this? I do. If you approach the game right and you practice the right way and you prepare and you have the right focus and you play to your standard, you can get better playing anybody. Would I rather play other teams? No disrespect to New Mexico State. Their coach works hard. Their players played hard. But if it's my philosophy that we should play 12 Power 5 schools, I'd say the answer to that would be yes. But that's a philosophical answer. And that's not the way it is. 
All right, so I don't know why you would ask me that question, as if I could do something about it when I can't do anything about it. So we're playing the best teams that we can get to play us. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. Later in that same press conference, Saban is asked about the student section clearing out early, and his response follows a similar pattern, eventually culminating with the Alabama head coach walking out in a huff. Are you, were you disappointed that the students cleared out early today, or do you give them a pass because of the heat and maybe the score of the game? It enhances the value of our program if our stadium is full and people stay for 60 minutes in the game. From my standpoint, I always want to see the stadium full and I want to see people stay for 60 minutes in the game. You know, we expect our players to compete for 60 minutes in the game. I'm not satisfied with the way some of our players competed in the fourth quarter, the second team guys and all that. You know, people come and we have recruits here and they want to see a full house and all that. So everybody wants to be a part of the team. Everybody wants to be number one. If I ask that whole student section, all right, do you want to be number one? Nobody would put their hand up and say, I want to be number four. They would all say, we want to be number one. But are they willing to do everything to be number one? That's another question. You can ask them that. I don't know the answer. You know, I, I really, you know I, I'm trying to coach our team. I'm wondering why we lost contain, you know, when they ran a damn zone play. I, I, I could care less about that. I hope that there's something that we could do that would enhance their wanting to stay and have the spirit to stay and all that. But I, I don't really know much about all that stuff. You know, that's not my cup of tea, trying to figure out how to stop, you know, snag seven flat. But by Monday, Saban strikes a much more conciliatory tone toward the fan base and in conjunction with the school and the athletic department, seems to be making an effort to shift the blame off of the fans onto the conference and its television partners for their role in determining whether Alabama is playing games in the 100-degree heat in the middle of the day in the summertime. You know, I, one thing I would like to say is I know it was a difficult day for our fans uh, because of the, the circumstances surrounding the weather, and I'd like to thank the fans for supporting the team uh, and, you know, a lot of people hanging in there to try to, you know, support the team. So uh, I think the players really appreciate it. Uh, we know there are, you know, uh, it, was a, it was a difficult circumstance for a lot of folks, and hopefully, you know, our administration will continue to work to try to, you know, play some of these games at a different time. To help me wrap my head around this story, I called up Travis Ryer of Bama Online and the Built by Bama Online podcast. What do you make of the way Saban at the end of his press conference on Saturday seemed to get a little bit agitated about the question about the student section? And that it seemed like he kind of changed his tone by Monday, saying he understands that the it seemed like he was maybe a little bit more on a unified message with the athletic department and just kind of the way he, he was talking about it. What what is your take on that? That's one of those battles you can't win. And, you know, coming off the field and with emotions and things like that being what they are, uh, that's when you're typically going to get Nick Saban uncut. The director's cut, I guess you could say, Connor. <laughs> um, that's the Nick Saban. That's that's why so much of his so much of his sound bites that make national television broadcast and, and 
podcast and radio programs, they typically are times when he's coming directly from the practice field on Wednesdays or directly from the playing field or at halftime, as we saw with Maria Taylor, right? Uh, the yeah. Louisville game. Uh, that's when you get vintage Nick Saban. And I think that was the case Saturday. Um, I think it's something he's probably tired of talking about, to be honest with you. Uh, but he has expectations of everyone involved and the fans are a part of that. And on, on, upon reflection, and I do think he gets consultation from his wife, Terry, trust me on that. I think that's a part of this too. Um, he sort of comes to that realization after a sort of cooling off period that that's not a war or a battle that you want to probably fight in public with the fan base on any level, whether it's the, the, the general population or a segment of that, like the students that that's just not something that you want to get involved with. So it seems like these two stories of the, the student section and the kickoff times are, are kind of intertwined here, but does, does, is this the beginning of Alabama's issue with these kickoff times or is this something that goes back further? No, I think this goes back, before that, and I think there's been some uh, in the media here in the Tuscaloosa area, Cecil Hurd of the Tuscaloosa News, primary among them, that have sort of been monitoring this trend for a handful of years now. Um, that uh, seemingly each and every non conference home game that Alabama hosts at Bryant Denny Stadium kicks off in the daytime, which is brutal for a lot of the fan base because, as you know, here in the South, uh, September Saturdays tend to be uh, exceptionally warm and humid. And so it, it would be nice just on an occasion to have the relief of a nighttime kickoff or an evening kickoff. And that's something that has proved elusive for Alabama since the current television deal went into place as we know and this again this goes back on the the sec member institutions too and they all signed off on this powerball sort of lottery that they struck with the sec network and the setup as it sits now i mean the money is tremendous you can look at the uh, distribution shares on an annual basis since 2014 or 15 or so compared to years before that. And it's been an absolute boom financially for the SEC and its member schools. The other side of that was that in making that deal, whatever control SEC member schools had of their kickoff times, they sold it. You know, they sold it to the SEC network, to ESPN. You have all of these different platforms that you have to fill with content now each and every Saturday, and you are at the mercy of the discretion of those networks and the pecking order, which, as we know, starts with CBS uh, beginning this week anyway. You'll have your first CBS game, Alabama-South Carolina, which, of course, is going to be a mid-afternoon kickoff at 2.30 Central, uh, but then you work your way down from there with ESPN and, and the SEC network and, and how that sort of falls into place. So you, you, you sold... The, 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 and, and look, before the, the current TV deal, it wasn't like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, you know, had seven or eight dates that they were in control of. You still had CBS, ESPN, uh, Jefferson Pilot. Before that, it was TBS with those sort of slots. 
uh, ESPN2, uh, those kind of situations in place. But there was always, when it came to the non-conference home games especially, there was that opportunity for Alabama and others to slot those kickoff times how they wanted to do it, and that's when you had the pay-per-view games uh, back before the SEC Network. Well, that's all gone now, and the checks are great. They're great big checks with a lot of zeros on the end of them. Uh, But the other side of that, and I think this goes back to the attendance issue that we've talked about a lot in the last year or two. I've been talking about it since the SEC Network went into place that – you know, there were going to be complications to come from it. Um, one of them being attendance in general with every game televised. Uh, and now it's sort of a part of that. It's, again, the inability to control when you play in these September games uh, against non-conference opposition. And you know, I think part of Alabama's beef too, Connor, is that, you know, you look at LSU, and LSU, even with the SEC network going into play, still plays at night pretty much against anybody that goes into Baton Rouge, whether it's Northwestern State, whether it's uh, you name it, Nichols State, whether it's Jacksonville State, doesn't matter. LSU, and, and that's a lot of LSU's brand. You get that. I think the network's like that too. They want to, you know, push and, and, and uh, promote that Saturday night at Death Valley. Uh, that's that's what we all know LSU primarily for, uh, from a football program perspective. Um, but it's it's been a kind of a, an exclusive deal where LSU plays at night in these games, and Alabama plays during the daytime. And I just think you know Greg Byrne, athletic director at Alabama, Stuart Bell, uh, school president. The statement from those guys here in the last couple of days, that was more of a response to the fan base at Alabama than a plea or an objection to the Southeastern conference office and the, uh, the networks. It was to let the fan base know, look, we hear you on this. We're doing what we can, but ultimately, you know, Alabama and the rest of the sec member schools, they, they sold, um, you know, what control they did have of, of kickoff times with the with the current deal. So then it seems like outside of lobbying the SEC, which Alabama is now doing, the way that Alabama can most directly have an influence in when it's playing its games is to schedule more difficult opponents, opponents that would be more attractive for a primetime kind of slot. But as Nick Saban has said, it's difficult for Alabama, who is a team that is a almost automatic loss for all but a handful of teams in the country, it's difficult for Alabama to get people on their schedule for that reason. So where does that leave you? You know, Nick Saban's on record. He wants to play 12 Power 5 opponents every year. Uh, But he doesn't seem to get much uh, of a partnership in that with uh, a lot of coaches around college football. He wants to play 9 or 10 conference games a year. He wants to go from 8 SEC games to at least 9. I think he would be fine with 10 um, from that standpoint. He's open to all of that. There just hasn't been uh, a groundswell of support to go along with him in that regard. But again, on the topic that we're talking about specifically, I don't think it's so much about the quality of schedule and how it relates to having the occasional nighttime kickoff mixed in. Because again, when you look at LSU, it really doesn't matter who LSU plays in the non-conference in September. Those games are at night, and that's kind of the point here. 
is that, uh, you know, it, it's understandable. You're going to have to take, take one for the team, so to speak, uh, at least once, maybe even twice every September. But uh, just the occasional evening to nighttime kickoff would be, I think, appreciated by Alabama, not just Alabama, but probably some other programs around the SEC. We're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, the state of California continues on its collision course with the NCAA. The FSU player mocked for lining up the wrong way speaks out, and more bad news for the Stanford Cardinal. Welcome back to the College Football Daily. The California State Assembly has unanimously passed a bill that would allow college athletes to more easily make money off their own name, image, and likeness beginning in 2023. The vote all but assures that the measure will go to Governor Gavin Newsom, and because the bill was amended after it had passed the Senate, it will have to return to that chamber for a concurrence vote. However, the Senate approved its version of the bill by a 31-5 to margin, and the bill's basic intent remains unchanged. Although an NCAA panel is studying potential changes in the association's policies regarding athletes' names, image, and likeness, this sets up the prospect of a conflict between the NCAA's amateurism rules and the laws of a state that has more than 20 Division I schools, including four members of the Pac-12 conference. On Wednesday, the NCAA wrote a letter to Governor Newsom urging the state of California to reconsider the bill, calling it unconstitutional and saying that the measure would upend the level playing field for all student athletes. You might have seen an image over the weekend of Florida State tight end Trey McKitty lined up in the opposite direction at the line of scrimmage from all of his teammates. Asked about that earlier this week, McKitty said, yeah, I've got a million messages about that. There was nothing wrong with me. I didn't line up the wrong way on accident. FSU was pushing the tempo here and wanted to get lined up quickly. And for what it's worth, the play did gain 11 yards. TCU will be without a key player on the defensive side of the ball when the Frogs travel to Purdue on Saturday. During his weekly media presser, Horn Frogs head coach Gary Patterson said starting senior cornerback Julius Lewis will not be ready to go against the Boilermakers. True freshman Keon Stewart is expected to get his second start of his young career in place of Julius Lewis. Speaking of TCU, Gary Patterson has acknowledged that he is going to continue sticking with his two-quarterback rotation for the time being, saying that Alex Delton will start against the Boilermakers and true freshman Max Dugan will get some action as well. Patterson said he'll go with whoever's hot. Stanford head coach David Shaw has announced that preseason AP All-American left tackle Walker Little is undergoing season-ending surgery. Little was hurt late in Stanford's win over Northwestern and missed the Cardinals' 45-23 loss to USC. True freshman Walter Rouse will start his second straight week, and with starting right tackle Foster Sorrell also doubtful for the game, the Cardinal will be forced to reshuffle its lineup for a third straight game to start 2019 after using eight different starting offensive line combinations in 2018. Stanford travels to Orlando this weekend to take on UCF. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, we ask that you do one thing this week to help get the word out about our show, whether it's leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend to check us out. I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.